Welcome to our Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel, a transformative leader and executive coach in areas of public policy, social change, and spiritual entrepreneurship. We understand that today's life and social challenges require a more holistic approach, including spiritual tools, thoughtful dialogue, and of course, community building. Join us in the conversation. I want to speak today about how we as Christians can better build bridges to Islam, particularly we Swedenborgian Christians. I believe our tradition offers unique opportunities to build some really incredible bridges. This topic has been something a few members have requested based on the importance of Muslims in their life. We have some members with deep knowledge of Islam, uh, certainly greater than I have and I hope uh, they will correct anything that I get wrong today. Um, a number, no, another uh, number of our members have um, Islam as part of their faith background, and others are in relationship with Muslims. So they've all asked, you know, could you talk about the, the bridge that we can build with Islam? And as I mentioned earlier, our own Dr. Peck is a renowned scholar of Islam in the United States. I think that you'll see our mystic tradition has wonderful ways to understand and connect. As I also mentioned, I'm really pleased to have Ibrahim Anli with us today, uh, who I introduced briefly and I'll introduce, but he does uh, lead the Rumi Forum and I'll go over his, his bio in a little bit, but I just wanted to say he's a longtime friend of the church. And when he saw this in the newsletter, he reached out and said he'd like to join. And I, of course, you know, there's always a punishment when you say to a minister, you wanna do something. I said, would you help me in the discussion after the service? And he agreed. Um, so we have an expert with us, and that will be really wonderful, particularly during our uh, Q&A time, because, again, my knowledge is, you know, I went to theological school and there's only so much I know. Um, so I think understanding Islam is an important topic. Um, as Christians, we say we seek to love our neighbor, and to love your neighbor, you must first understand them. In my experience, American Christians are famously ignorant of other cultures and religions. I'm sure you've heard the, that old joke, uh, what's a person who speaks three languages, trilingual? What's a person who speaks two languages, bilingual? What's a person who speaks one language, American? Um, it's not something that we're well known for. Uh, we are often very focused on only things that affect us. And we really learn about Islam in the midst of a crisis and sadly a war or or a terrorist attack or something of a crisis. And we kind of get very uh, skewed views of it. So I'm hoping we can get a broader understanding. And I purposely want to talk about this topic outside of a crisis. Uh, this lack of knowledge has negative uh, repercussions very often. It often leads to discrimination. So for the past six years, I've been part of the National Christian Muslim Dialogue sponsored by the National Council of Churches. And, and in coordination with the Islamic Council of North America. And in fact, for five years, I was the Christian co-chair of this dialogue. And I chose that dialogue because I felt particularly at the time, Muslims were the most misunderstood religion in America. And I had uh, quite a bit of ignorance myself. And I felt like 
that if I could uh, support the Muslim community at that time, it would be very important. So uh, I'm involved with a dialogue and we just had our dialogue this past week. I'll talk more about some of the observations at a more personal level. But my goal for us today is to leave with a better understanding of Islam and some of the spiritual connections we have and that we at Church of the Holy City, who has committed itself to being a bridge building church, can continue that with greater knowledge. And I believe when we open up our knowledge and our hearts, the Holy Spirit can enter and open us to new opportunities that we just can't imagine. Okay, so what is Islam? I'll give my Islam 101 in, our, in a very short time and um, I'll give it my best shot. But uh, I'm, uh, some of this might seem repetitive, but for, for I, I think it's good to get just a foundation. Um, Islam is one of the three monotheistic Abrahamic faiths. faiths. Uh, the word means submission or, or surrender to God. And you may not know, but it's the world's second largest religion, making up about a fourth of the world's population. So just to compare, Christianity is about 31% and uh, atheists are about 16%. So it's a very large faith. It has two primary branches, Sunni, uh, which is about 85%, and Shia, which is 15%. Sunnis, um, you probably most know them through the connection through Saudi Arabia. We think of Sunnis there and we think of Shia primarily from Iran or Persian, the Persian history. But Indonesia is the largest Sunni Muslim country in the world. And that's another reason that we don't want to conflate or confuse the idea of Arab and Muslim. It's not the same thing. Um, Islam is in many other places. So here's a fact that in 2050, Islam is likely to surpass Christianity as the world's largest religion. In the reading today that Jason did from Genesis, it tells the story of Hagar and Ishmael being sent into the wilderness uh, by Sarah. And Muslims see Ishmael and that moment as a direct ancestor of Muhammad. And they see that they uh, um, believe in the patriarchs uh, that we would have in Judaism. And they see Jesus in that prophetic line as a, a prophet uh, coming before Muhammad. Um, Islam believes there's one God and that Muhammad is his messenger. Uh, Muhammad lived about, uh, I think, roughly around uh, 570 to 632 CE. Um, Muslims don't believe that Muhammad was divine. A lot of Christians think that, oh, Muhammad is there, Jesus. No, uh, they don't believe he was divine. They believe he was a, the, the great prophet. Um, when he was about 40 years old, while meditating and praying in a cave, he began a series of visits with the angel Gabriel, who told him to record teachings of a new understanding of God, um, based primarily on five pillars. What he learned and taught was the great emphasis was that there is one God, and that he would be the last messenger of God, uh, that the idol worship that was in that area at the time uh, needed to be abolished, and a new religion needed to begin. Uh, this faith would teach the importance of charity for the poor, fasting during the season of Ramadan, making a holy pilgrimage, um, and prayer. And it requires prayer five times a day, if at all possible. Uh, Islam has a detailed angelology, a study of angels, much like our tradition. It believes in heaven and hell as well. 
The scripture of Islam, which we read today, is the Quran, which is seen as the verbatim word of God recited to Muhammad, which, who I believe was illiterate uh, at the time. So that was a recitation that he took from the angel Gabriel. Um, Islam embraces uh, much of the narrative of the Old Testament and the Gospels. And Jesus is a very uh, important figure in Islam, or, or mentioned quite a bit. He's seen as, a, you could say, a penultimate prophet, born of the Virgin Mary, and though they do not believe he was uh, killed or he rose from the dead. And I would, again, stress that Islam is very focused on the oneness of God and, and often feels that Christianity, through its teachings of the Trinity, has led it toward a polytheism. So Muhammad shared his vision with his wife, and she believed, and he, um, I think he had, uh, interestingly, he had, he had a Christian cousin who believed. Um, and um, one interesting story I found fascinating is there was a Christian monk named Bahari, Bahara, uh, who met Muhammad when he was, I think, around 10 or in adolescence. And he told Muhammad's uncle the whole prophecy of what Muhammad would do as a great spiritual leader of a new faith. So there's some interesting connections with Christianity in his, um, his life. But the faith around him at that time would be sort of tribal, nomadic people who believed in, and worshiped idols. And so he, is, uh, he came up against that uh, with Islam. Um, So I think one thing, if you ever, if you're more curious, there are many, many passages in the Quran about Jesus. And I think that really surprises many Christians that he is in the Quran and spoken about. But it's very much, it's not the belief that he was God in the flesh as Christians. So that's the, that would be the big difference. And I think knowing this uh, uh, is, is a nice bridge for the two faiths that we have these so much in common. So needless to say, I can't do a complete study of Islam in the short time that you're going to tolerate me speaking today. Um, but I did want to give a, just a basic overview because I find that we, we don't have much knowledge of that. So, so then how do Christians view Islam? Um, they are, um, I would say there's a quote from the Southern Baptist Convention that says they are lost like any other non-Christian neither more nor less. They don't believe in Jesus, they're going to hell. Um, and uh, other groups, the, the fam focus on the family and evangelical group um, says, we cannot say that Muslims and Christians worship the same God when Islam energetically denies the existence of Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. So that, I would say that that would be a, um, a, view, a traditional view of much many Christians, that Islam is um, uh, and not a faith that leads to heaven. And that's really where um, the Swedenborgian tradition, which we're a part of, the mystic tradition of Christianity, is very different from uh, traditional Christianity. And I think it creates the, the ground for some really positive uh, bridge building. Um, so as, as we read today with the reading uh, from Swedenborg, it's our belief that uh, Islam was created purposely through God's divine providence for very specific reasons. Um, it is, uh, in our tradition, we believe that the very early religions, the earliest 
faith that people had were direct connections with God, and they understood God through symbols and correspondences of nature. Uh, the hieroglyphics of Egypt would be uh, an example of, of that. But over time, this connection was lost, and the, what, what came out of it was people began to worship the symbols themselves, and they created many gods and many idols. And if you remember your Old Testament, you know that Abraham, uh, or, or originally called Abraham, and as he was in the text today, the father of, of Judaism, the father of monotheism, he was a idol maker. He made idols as, as for his living. And so Judaism was a way of moving away from worshiping of idols toward one God. And uh, But by 400 years after the, the death of Jesus, there were many in the Middle East, particularly, who were still worshiping idols and many gods. And so according to our tradition, um, Muhammad was visited uh, to create a new faith for to move those people from uh, worship polytheism toward monotheism and to reject idol worship. And this had to be done in a way that the local people could understand and included many detailed rules of life. So Islam was a vehicle for change. Um, another more complicated topic, which I'm happy to go in during the discussion, uh, I know it's not a topic that people really enjoy getting into, but it's because it's quite theological, is the a whole idea of the Trinity. But um, the Trinity is the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Um, in our tradition, we believe that the Christian church got off track in some of its uh, teachings, one of which was a debate whether Jesus was born of Mary and existed for a period, God came into the flesh for a brief period, or it was Jesus created at the beginning of time. And at the Chaldean Council of 451, the Christians decided he had been in existence from the beginning of time. So both Swedenborg and Islam would say that that led Christianity to often think of God in three manifestations. So that would be a common place of common ground we would have with Islam. It just so happens that it's about that time that Islam comes onto the map um, uh, 100 years after that, uh, that council. Um, Islam focuses when it talks about the, the Christian Bible more on the Gospels, and, and so does Swedenborg, saying that they're divinely inspired. So it's another area that we have unique common ground. So uh, we both um, share views of heaven at the Christian does, uh, Muslim dialogue. I was able to say to everyone's surprise that I think we might be the only Christian faith that believes mu Muslims have a place in heaven. Swedenborg described a Muslim heavenly community and mentioned even seeing Muhammad. So there's a lot of similarities uh, in our faith. Now, Sufism, which is not, uh, I would say it's my understanding, it's not technically a branch of, of Islam, but it's generally, it's, but it's a, a tradition, mainly under this, this Sunni branch, is really the mystical branch uh, of, of Islam. And in the same way that Swedenborgianism is a mystical branch of Christianity. I can go into more details, but it means that the two are very similar. In fact, mystical traditions like Kabbalah, Sufi, and Swedenborg, I find often have more in common than we would with many other Christians. Um, so that's an interesting connection. Um, I had mentioned that we did this Rumi forum uh, with a scholar on Rumi and myself speaking for Swedenborg because we couldn't get a scholar. And um, 
it, the, 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 the commonalities between um, what Rumi taught uh, many years before Swedenborg and what Swedenborg taught uh, are uncanny. We were really amazed at how common it was. And I did find a, a passage in Swedenborg, Swedenborg where he speaks about a certain Muslim teachers who understand the deep meaning of scripture through symbols. And it would appear to me he could be talking even about Rumi. Um, so as you can see, these are really excellent examples of things that we would have in common, particularly with Sufi uh, Muslims. They are famously known as, uh, you see with the, the hats and the dance and the meditative dance. Um, so that would, that would be the Sufis and we would have a lot in common. And we found that through our, in our panel, we had a lot uh, of connection. So I, I think what you can see from what I'm saying is particularly our, our faith, we have a lot of commonality uh, with Islam. We do not believe that people who are Muslim go to hell. Okay. That's probably the biggest difference we would have with Christianity. Our tradition teaches that if you lead a life of compassion, you're able to access heaven. But what you preach has little or no impact on your trajectory to the next life. And of course, many Muslims lead lives of compassion. That's why there's a community uh, in heaven. The reading from the book of James that we had today says that faith without works is dead. And that's very much uh, our understanding and our belief. So our faith is uniquely open to ecumenical dialogue. We don't just meet with other groups and say, oh, it's very interesting what you believe. By the way, I still think you're going to hell, but it's really interesting. We actually say that uh, the world's kind of divided between people who love their neighbor and therefore love God and people who don't. Uh, and one is a path toward heaven. So it's no accident that the first world parliament of religions, which was in 1893, was spearheaded and created by a Swedenborgian. Now, at a personal level, um, I'll just share that uh, we do these annual uh, dialogues that I mentioned. We did one on Zoom this week. I'm struck by a few things uh, now that I've gone to many of these and I've, I've gone to many mosques around the country and so forth. And I'm always struck by the kindness and the warm hearts of the leaders that we meet with. Uh, we talked about COVID this week and, and they shared what they were doing. We shared what our churches are doing. And the, just the vibe that I get from this group is love. Um, and when we do attend their events, their hospitality is off the charts. They really are very welcoming. And uh, again, something you really can't fake, you experience. So it's really, these are really beautiful aspects of Islam that I've uh, had a chance to encounter through these dialogues. And um, when we do have the dialogues, I feel God is very present. Um, I also think that for Christians, we can learn some things from Islam. One is that by praying five times a day, I think they can teach Christians about the importance of a more disciplined spiritual life. Um, and um, one of the topics that we talked about in our dialogue was uh, racism and inequality of women. When it comes to racism, I'm struck how much more advanced Islam is over Christianity. This is based on my experience. So... Uh, 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 but this is my observation. I've attended the call to prayers in the mosque. I'm struck by how the men come in, white, black, rich, poor, and stand shoulder to shoulder as they stand for prayer. Uh, racism and classism, at least in my observation, seem less prominent in Islam. So I think we can learn. However, 
I've never gone to pray at the mosque without being uncomfortable as our female clergy who are with us are forced into a balcony or a back room. Um, there is a second class citizenship of women in Islam and the speaker at this event uh, was a Christian scholar, Roman Catholic scholar, and both were talking about the equality of women. And it occurred to me that that's sadly one thing that both Christian and Muslim leaders have in common, that we're, we don't treat e women equally to men, uh, and particularly when it comes to, say, ordination or uh, um, in, in both the Catholic Church and in, in Islam. And the truth is that the humanist secular culture in many cases is moving faster in a direction of loving the neighbor, particularly if the neighbor is female than religions that are often trapped in sexist, racist, and homophobic cultural teachings that linger. So I think in a funny way, both of our faiths can learn from the secular culture, which for a variety of reasons has uh, been more inclusive of different groups. And we of people of faith should certainly be the leader on that. So in summary, I'd say we can build bridges to Islam by understanding our common ground that we are that we are part of we're trying to be part of the faith that loves God and the only way we can love God is to love our neighbor and anybody who does that is leading a life toward heaven and we want we seek that for ourselves and it's what people in Islam seek as do all other faiths but theology getting caught up in theology uh, without compassion is really dead it's really there's no it's on a path forward. So it really is, how are we living our lives? And so I think this gives great common ground for us to build bridges with Muslims and to both worship the same God. Uh, to do this, we're going to need to use our wisdom. So we need to learn more and understand more. And we have to use our compassion and reach out and support each other as we're all children of God. I was struck in the events that I do in the United States that the Muslim groups are often asking us to stand up for them, to protect them, and we, we try to do that. I will say that when I traveled to the Middle East and I met with the Coptic Christians, the Christians in the Middle East, and I met with Muslim leaders there, I was, it was a reverse situation. And the Muslim leaders were saying, we will protect the Christians here, and we do protect the Christians. So that was a neat, we could share stories of how in whatever culture is in the minority, the other culture has an obligation to look, look after the other, I feel. And so we should always give a voice to the group that is less represented. So I feel like there's an incredible opportunity to build bridges. I hope what I've said is, uh, gives you a greater understanding of Islam and the commonality. I know that the teachings in our church are completely unique. So that might be new for you and you might have questions. And I do hope that where I got it wrong, we have a few scholars here uh, that they can, they can correct me uh, and we can, we can understand it better. Um, so that is my uh, presentation on building bridges to Islam. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Resilience Podcast with Reverend Rich Taffel. We invite you to reach out to us with your questions and comments, as well as proposed topics for discussion. Sending you love and light. Till next episode.